Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engage podcast, where we go in-depth with practical ways for you to pray, vote, and engage. Today we are joined by Ken Mercer. Ken is a member of the Texas State Board of Education, and he will be discussing the importance of Christians' involvement in education and school boards. Hey everyone, it's Bunny Pounds here with another edition of the Christians Engaged podcast. We are so, so excited. We have been talking lately about the seven mountains of influence, and we've been talking about how God calls us into business. He calls us into politics. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he does that. He also calls us into law. He calls us into education. He calls us into healthcare systems. Hey, we're talking about education today. So I have got a real treat for you today. One of our Texas School Board of Education uh, board members, Ken Mercer, is uh, on with us today. He has served on the Texas School Board um, since 2006. Before that, he served for three years in our Texas House. And he has just been a champion for Christian conservatives on the school board in Texas. And since he's on his way out the door, we figured we'd, we'd grab him before he's completely retired and have a conversation with you today about Christians influencing um, the educational world. So Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bunny. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you. Well, tell us, um, again, I didn't want to give a, I wanted to give just a quick introduction of you so that we get people staying on here because when we get talking about education, some people are like, oh, there's so many problems. What are we going to do? How are we going to save the next generation? So talk to us a little bit about your political history and background and how, how in the world did you get to this place of serving on the school board for Texas for so many years? But it all began actually in my church. I go to a bilingual church, Spanish and English, and there's a lady named Nubia Berrios is from Costa Rica. And the church had liaisons. Back then we had things like Christian Coalition, Right to Life, traditional marriage groups out there. And she said, Ken, my, my Spanish is real hard. I, I want you to go to these meetings for me or go with me. And, uh, and she wanted me to go on behalf of the church and come back. And back then we were allowed to set up posters in the church and you walk out saying this is what's going on in life and marriage and family and parental rights and school choice and and we used to so I, that's how I got started by a lady named Nubia from, from Costa Rica asked me to go represent our church and uh one thing led another I asked to run for precinct chair met a lot of fine Christian men and women I didn't know Christians were that involved in politics and uh ran for precinct chairman and they made fun of me as I actually made signs to run for precinct chairman I had <laughs> I had a faith, family, freedom, because in Spanish, it was always faith, faith, familia, family, y libertad, freedom. So I ran with faith, family, freedom, and I said, well, I'm a Christian, I'm conservative. A political party was Republican, that's third, but I'm Christian conservative first. And that's how I got started. And then there was a race in District 117 for state rep, and I was trying to find a candidate, and uh, I couldn't find anyone. It was so bad, the corruption, the abuse. I mean, at the local school boards and city council, and I couldn't find someone to go. And my wife, Rosalia, came back from a thing called, um, it's a monthly group called Mujeres de Oraciones en Acciones, Women of Prayer and Action. Wow. She was crying. And she said, and, and two of the three of the candidates I talked to didn't want to run, asked me to run. I said, well, I'm not running for office. I'm trying to find someone to run. And she came back crying. She said, at the prayer meeting, I was really moved that I felt that I'm holding you back. Rosie was not political or, or unpolitical. She's kind of like 
apolitical in the middle. Right. He was crying. I really feel that you should run. I said, well, I mean, because that day, three of the candidates I talked to running were going to run for another office, judge, whatever, not for state rep. So, but it was a race that no Republican had won before, ever won before. And it's a long story short, with that blessing, we went to our family and asked for our church for prayer. I know it's pretty old fashioned and ask at, and to guide us in there. And that's when we started running. And uh, I would drive quickly to the very end. What happened that race was uh, we walked like crazy. Republicans were upset at me because uh, they thought if you run in that district, 117 in, in Barrett County, San Antonio, make Democrats on the other party mad, I'm sorry. That's okay. Or, or hurt our Christian people who are running. But we still ran. And the second week of early voting, early voting been going on for a week. And I went to the editorial board, the San Antonio Express has met them and shared in that my values were faith, family, freedom. I was a Christian conservative, but I also had a political party. I ran as a Republican, but that was my third part choice. And uh, I can tell they didn't seem to like that. My opponent was very well liked, uh, but uh, th there are some problems. So the end of the second week of early voting, we had a debate with my opponent on the south side of my district, district, and he was arrested and indicted by the FBI and Texas Rangers for being the head of a criminal crime family. Corruption, bribery, abuse, and voter fraud. Wow. And by the FBI and the Rangers. The trio of corruption right there. Well, that was the middle, but, but there's an important part. That was Friday, the, the, the end of the first week of early voting. The following Monday is when the endorsements come out. The following Monday, the endorsement comes out in the San Antonio Express the editorial board in 117, my district, did a rare no endorsement. They felt that Ken Mercer's values were not a good fit for this district. Mm. When you have a guy who's a family, faith, and freedom, a Christian conservative, another guy who's the head of a criminal crime family, the FBI and Rangers and, and, and uh, indicted him for corruption, bribery, abuse. And I'm just as bad, I guess, because I'm a Christian conservative. Uh, yeah, you know, that's no endorsement. So long story short, the introduction of where faith comes into play in my wife changing her heart, you know, I should run. And then the way the media was treating me just because I was a Christian and I felt it was bad, but I never knew how bad until it came time for endorsement. When they put us side by side, they did a no endorsement because my wow. values were not. Well, we talk to Christians all the time, Ken, around the state of Texas, that a lot of times our mission with Christians Engage is we start with prayer. Everything should start with a relationship with God. But most of the time when God's leading people into praying for our nation or our state or issues that they see, right, like they see problems going on, many times those prayers get into transforming your life and moving you to the place where you become the answer to your own prayers. So you're uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable, right? <laughs> exactly. So don't be shocked, my friends, if you start praying for candidates or start looking for candidates that represent your values, and all of a sudden God's Amen. calling you to be that candidate, right? And I know that so well as you do um, as well. So talk to us now. How you spent three years in the Texas House, and you—I mean—you just really made a bang there. I know. Um, but you got focused in on education even back then. Talk to us how, about how you made the leap to the State Board of Education. That's how did you get really enthralled with the education fight? Uh, in, in the House, I served two years in the Committee for Higher Education, and I was very concerned as I saw that the fact was that 50% of kids who are told they are college ready, 50% are taking remedial classes in uh, English, mathematics, uh, and writing. 
So half the kids said, you're ready for college. And half of them have to take remedial classes. And, and a lot of the junior colleges were offering those classes, but not, it was a need. Wow. College. So that really concerned me, the disconnect there. We have kids who said, you're ready for college. And then the numbers were that if, if Bunny or Ken took a year off to take the remedial classes, English and math, something like 6% may ever get a degree. Once you took a year and had to take those remedial classes, and they call them the Velt Metal now, I think, but it was called remedial when, when, I, when I was working there, that uh, the disconnect and sermon, kids were not ready. So we got into issues, and it, it, I never would have imagined, and I thought it was going to be a short-term style. I wanted to go, get a victory under my belt, do some good things. And I didn't think it would last 14 years, but it became that important. We got into issues like science and, and things that should be non-political, like handwriting, I mean, in, in, in phonics, <laughs> in history, in government, in economics, in, in, in U.S. literature, and, and, of course, science and mathematics. Who would have thought that uh, certain beliefs, like how to read and write, was a radical Christian view? You know, no, it's nuts, right? I mean, I, I can't even imagine some of the fights that you've had to take on. Um, and it's so important. Talk to us for a minute. Why is it so important that we elect um, good school board members and that we pay attention to these races, even locally or on our county level? Um, talk to us a little bit about the school boards and the importance of them so that the everyday Christian can really kind of understand that. Yeah, I think all the school boards, the local school board, where you may, some local school boards are won by a few hundred votes up to the state school. It's so important because those people get to review the curriculum and help sell standards. And they're supposed to listen to the educators, the business community, and the moms and dads. Yeah. There's a trilogy of people involved. And, and uh, I always get upset when we forget about parents because parents are just as important. And at the state level, I, I see parents who've gone to the local school, local school board, and they come to the state. And I get upset when in some way, way some members might treat a mom or dad, try, try to teach like your, your husband 10 pounds would come to the state board. Well, I know this is your third step. Treat this person with respect. It's come a long way. They're a parent. They really care. But the local school board is so important because you can see grassroots levels going on and you can build support. And if God has plans for you after that, you, you started that way. But we need to start, I always say, it, it, you know, politics, not, I don't like politics, to be honest, but- uh, I know, none of us do. It's house a necessary to the White evil. House. <laughs> house to the White House, and then it goes White House to the schoolhouse again. We've got to start at the schoolhouse. We've got to start there and realize in a, I'll summarize it real quick. In, in the good news in Texas, there's a law that parents have the right to see what's taught in the classroom. It's called 28004 Education Code, Moms and Dads in Texas, have the right to see what is, be, what is being taught in the classrooms. The good news is we have a law. The bad news is, Bunny, we had to write a law. That's scary, Ken. <laughs> you have, that, you that's have the a... right to see what's being taught in the classroom. Wow. I mean, really, that's really scary that we have to like legislate that kind of common sense, right? Right, um, right. So, I mean, you have been in some serious fights. I mean, from creationism, um to transgender issues oh yes it's... to the latest uh you know whole drama was about this uh you know we can talk a little bit about this new curriculum they've been trying to push on sex ed but um talk to us you know when you've had to as a believer you've had to navigate these things first of all how do you stay strong and what what is you know your moral compass or your biblical foundation that's kind of set you ready to take on these fights and giving you that boldness. 
Well, let me say for your audience too, though, because I've been called several times about this last issue, health and sex ed. And I said two things, please, when call people and try to be discerning and say, hey, we need help We're for this issue, support this. But don't forget later on to say thank you. And I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty. I'm gonna, I'll tell you, I'll tell Bunny I'm mad, but, uh, but I forget to call back and say, hey, thank you. So keep encouraging those men because it's hard. Yeah. If you're a Christian, if you read the papers, you're by yourself. You're going to be called things you didn't even know you, you, have, you, you were. And, it, and, it, and it, it's tough. Uh, when we won our first race, I remember at our, our party, a state house race, I'll never forget this one because one of our, it was kind of loud, one of our supporters said, God told you you're going to win, Ken. See, the whole time, you knew you are going to win. I said, no, that's not true. And God told me and my wife, really, he told us to run and run hard and give people a choice. But he never, never, never said we're going to win. He just said run hard, and that's what we did. And, and, and I tell people that because I've had a lot of great Christian friends who have not been successful, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. People rock solid values who love God and, and love our country. And, 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 and I'm just lost when they're unsuccessful, but they ran hard. Yes. And they gave people a choice. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but the, the faith is so important. You have to believe, and, and there's a million times they're going to be drawn the other way. The devil's pretty smart. He'll attack you and your family. And uh, I mentioned the opponent I had before about head of a crime family. The things that happen to us, block walking or our signs or my people harassing my wife on the highway when they see a Ken Mercer bumper sticker, uh, phones hanging up in the middle of the night, you know, during the election. There's all kind of stuff going on that uh, you have to be Joshua 1-9. You have to be bold, strong, and courageous and know that God is with you. Because, uh, And for that's the reason I tell the, the Christian church, make sure you encourage the people and then when it's done, say thank you. That's because so good. Battle's going to come up, and they're going to need more encouragement. Yes, and the fact that you've lived 14 years uh, in this position, you know, n number one, I honor you. That is a long tenure to be fighting these battles and stay engaged. Um, but that is so important that people encourage um, our elected officials, and we do that. That's why we pray every Mondays at 5:55. We pray for a different segment of our elected officials or our country, whether that's the Supreme Court or our local school board or whatever, um, because we believe that God's called us to pray, admonishes us to pray for our leaders, that we would have peace, right? God bless, God bless you, yes. So let's talk, let's talk about this latest little fight, okay? In, in sure. real specific terms that people can understand. Um, there was a, uh, you know, the sex ed curriculum that is just diabolical in my viewpoint. Um, and probably in yours as well. They've been trying to push that through. Now, remind me, was the, the vote nine to six on that? In, in September, it was. A, it's a radical graphic sex ed, what I described, what I've seen from Planned Parenthood and their groups. And pretty much, they're a Planned Parenthood and their groups on one side, and, and our side, if you will, is the you know, Judeo-Christian values and, and the rights of moms and dads. And uh, Planned Parenthood, I never forget, it was one constituent. I was actually leaving the Capitol one day. And I was literally running to my car. It was so hot, I wanted to get out of town, out of Austin. And the steps, the lady goes, Mr. Mercer, Mr. Mercer. Says, oh, no. I really want to get out of testifying all day. And she was showing me the, uh, the uh, budget of Planned Parenthood, the $500 million to get a year. And how 10% of their budget goes to sex education. So what they're doing is they're going to all the schools and through, through their affiliates, and they're offering local school boards a free health sex ed curriculum, free. Of I course. 99, free 99, be careful, it's free 99, be careful. And, and, uh, 
it, I use the, the analogy of the, the Trojan horse. They give you this free gift, but what's inside that gift is, is meant to destroy a culture and destroy a civilization. And, and so a lot of local school boards are saying yes to this free gift, this free curriculum that they did use Bunny and Ken and Rosie and Tim's tax money to pay for. And it's a very radical graphic sex ed. And, and the votes here were very clear. Uh, I didn't know that they kept using the word consent and it seemed like a mild word about a kid's consent. But then I talked to several other ministers and pastors and people involved in prison ministry saying the consent, it's a, the other side, Planned Parenthood, wanted consent, consent, consent. And it sounds pretty harmless, Bunny, but consent is said as the flag word used by pedophiles and by sex, and by, uh, sex traffickers. They wow. get consent one time. And, and in the state law in Texas, is consent is age 17. In fact, across the nation, I think one state has 16, every other state has 17 and 18. But they wanted consent for like eight, 10 year old kids, middle school, eight, 10, 12 year old kids. Unbelievable. And they, that was very, very important to them. And how could you not want consent? Kid, well, of course, kids have boundaries, but, uh, and I mentioned a group called politically, a group called NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association, whose motto is, and I hope it's in tough for your audience. No, keep going. Sex, be, sex before eight or it's too late. I said, that's a pedophile group. Yep. And I even some of the groups are supporting the other side. And you can show me on your, on your websites where you condone these groups. And I didn't get an answer and probably will not get one. But that was my, that was one big area was consent. Uh, the LBGT issue came over and over and over again. And people were saying, if you're really Christian, how can you not support these issues? It's bullying. I said, you know what? The law that, that I'm proposing and we voted for and passed was all kids, cyberbullying, physical bullying, bullying, sexual assault. It's for all kids. It's wrong, anybody. But they wanted to delineate the now there's over, I think now there's over 300 gender identities, whatever. We just said, you know, it, bullying of any type, cyber, physical, sexual is wrong. Right. And that was the battle. And we were attacked for that and, and still attacked us all over saying, well, you're not supporting all the other groups. And no, my job is to support 5.4 million kids to support all the kids. And even if, if, if your child goes to, to school and wears this horrible shirt that says, God bless America, <laughs> how, how offensive is that? You know, God bless America, there's people who don't like that. You still have that right, and they should not be bullied because of that. That was a huge battle. Consent and LBGT were both. And the other thing was uh, uh, they wanted to change. A child should go to any uh, a, a trusted adult for help. And again, it seemed like, okay, well, now we thought about what was going on. Now, you should go to your mom and dad first. Right. Go to a parent first. If you have a situation at home where you can't trust your parents, okay, that's a small percentage, but it should be moms and dads. Because it's very clear in some of the Marxist social stuff we're seeing out there, buddy, that they want to they just cut X out. The hand of a mom and dad holding the child, they want to cut that out. Mm. Back to the state. So now we yep. want kids to go to your mom and dads first. And then if you can't trust them, then you go to a trusted adult. But, but those three items, those are a huge vote on consent, the rights to protect all kids from bullying. And, and you know, th those items are just so critical. And they seem so simple now as I talk to them out loud now, but they were, we're talking, I think there are 28 hours of testimony. 28 hours of testimony covering those three items. Amazing. Well, and, and the fact that the vote was so, um, close 
really is amazing to me and and where Texans need to wake up because what you're talking about is so important. Really, we're talking about issues of should the state rule our children, right? Or Amen. should parents Amen. and families be the number one unit that are, we trust in our state to raise our kids, right? Um, you know, Hillary Clinton had that, that famous line, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Really, no, it takes parents to raise a child. Yeah. Yeah. And we pull in the people that we want. Of course, we want people in our kids' lives, but uh, we have to, to be in charge of that, right? It can't be the state telling Amen. us um, what to do with our children. And so that's such an important fight. And then dealing with this curriculum, I mean, what should parents be teaching their children versus the schools, right? And yes. they're important conversations for you all to have and that we all should be having actually around our kitchen tables um, and then be communicating to the, our school boards and our Texas school board uh, you know, what we Amen. expect. So, you know, thank you so much for Ken for, you know, that's a lot of testimony, 20, 25 hours of testimony, 28 hours, and 28 hours. Or, or two sessions. And, a, and, and I can tell you also with the thing, I had some parents who were in their churches invited me and I go and listen to them and they'd show like a, the curriculum that the parents would pass. This is the curriculum on lesson eight, lesson one. And everyone, your husband's name is Tim. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I'm married to Rosie. We would all four of us read it. Yeah, that's great. And then show us the actual lesson in class, which is nothing like the parent handout. Nothing like it at all. Wow. That's pretty scary. Now, the vast majority of educators and administrators, I have to be fair, they get it. And they'll, they'll tell you that the, the consistent uh, uh, correlation of success in the classroom is parental involvement. But there are those who believe that when, when Tim and Bunny take your kids to the steps of the schoolhouse, you've given up your rights. And that is not true. You are still the mom and dad, and, and, and it's a small minority, but it seems to be a powerful minority who believe you have lost your rights, and they're now no longer your kids, and that is not true. And when I speak that, people get mad at me, but there's, we're fighting. I've had some uh, two gentlemen who were, who were Spanish-speaking, the translator in a board hearing, and complained about their local school board, and the graphic radical sex said that that school board rolled out, and they felt the school board failed to communicate to them as parents. And, I, and to your listeners here, listen to what I'm saying, because it's called how people sometimes reframe the debate. I know you're familiar with that. Oh, yes. Yeah. They were out there talking about this debate here and all these things. They had the multicolored flags and Spanish saying this and, and no comunicación con los padres, no communication with the parents. And, and, and so the other side would say, well, Mr. So-and-so, so will you admit you're anti-LGBT? And neither one of them would, we're not going to answer that question in Spanish. Oh, but I ain't answering it. But see, the debate was not, are you for or against this? The debate is, well, you're right as moms and dads to see what's being taught in the classroom for those violated. And what struck me is those gentlemen, it happened to be, when they said they weren't going to answer the question, I knew what that meant. And it happened to them at the local school, at the local school, and then it happened to the State Board of Education. They were wise enough, God gave enough wisdom to say, don't answer it, because it's going to happen again. And the debate turned from, what were the rights of moms and dads you had to see what's being taught in the classroom? And they flipped it to say, oh, so you admit you're anti-LVGT. And that wasn't the question. So moms and dads, if you're watching this, be careful because of, they'll change your words and, 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 you, and you have the right uh, to see what's being taught. In fact, but you probably saw recently in Tennessee, they had a waiver. They're concerned about conservative parents now that are uh, learning the home stuff. And once one district in Tennessee had a, Parents sign a waiver. 
Mr. and Mrs. Pouncey, you promise you will not watch what's being taught to your class at home, your, your child at home. What? This is the United States of America. And there were concerns going out about all these conservative families, the Mercers and the, and the Pounds would be calling in. They'd be seeing what's being taught to them in English and history and government and science, and they'd be complaining. And they had one district actually had a, a waiver that you had to promise that you would not watch what's being taught. I mean, this is outrageous. Insanity. Marxist socialist country. At least when I, went to, when I woke up this morning, I thought I was still living in the United States of America. But that's some of the stuff that's happened now. Some of the battles we had that parents were having to fight just to have your rights to be what God gave you, a mom and a dad. Well, that is such a wake-up call for everybody, Ken, that parents need to be so involved. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, when I, my kids were small, they're now in their 20s and married, but I mean, we were always debating, do we, you know, homeschool this year? Do we put them in Christian school? Do they go to public school? I mean, it's, const it's one of the biggest problems for parents around this country, how to educate their children. It's one of the, especially as believers, it is weighs heavy on our hearts, right? We don't want our kids to be messed up. We want to give them the greatest foundation and education. We want them to get the Bible. Um, but it's a constant struggle, especially for parents that don't have the money to put their kids in private school Amen. or live on one family income, right? So I, I feel right, for those right. parents, but the point is, whether your kids are in public school, private school, homeschool, you got to pay attention to your kid's education. It, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility as the parents um, to watch over that. Don't turn it over to Ken and the school board, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, please. Um, and, that's, and I even tell everybody, I say, you know what? When I give an opinion, always ask me and check me out. And, and I need to be cross-checked. I need to be verified because I want that. But I have some other friends that don't want that. In fact, would say, how dare you? How dare you question me, Bunny? I'm the expert. Yeah. And I've been to that before. We talked about separation, church and state. Different story, different show altogether. But I remember arguing about that. And I was told, well, where is in the Constitution? Well, it's right here. In the con where? Where? So, I'm a professor at a Northern Texas University. And saying, I'm a professor here. I'm an expert here. And I'm the expert. And it's there. But show me. I'm a professor. I'm a, what's the word, tenure professor of so-and-so. It's there. They wouldn't answer the question. And, and that's the kind of stuff that parents are fighting right now. And, and, and they make fun of us. But uh, moms and dads, you got to be bold, strong, and you got to be a Hebrews 12 one. You got to persevere. It's good. And, and this is not just kindergarten. For, it's 12, it's even in college now. You've got to persevere. Keep, because there's a, and my mom used to always say, when you ask an easy question and they get mad at you, it means one thing. You're probably asking the right question, Bunny, right? Mm, yes. And moms and dads see it all the time. You ask an easy question and they blow up. And you wonder, what did I say? What did I do wrong? Nothing. You ask the right question. You ask the right question. Trust your gut, right? That if yeah. God's giving you discernment on a situation that you're probably seeing what's really happening. Um, and, and we do have a problem with the elites in this country trying to tell us how to live our life um, regardless yeah. of how much education we have and you have a lot of education i mean you have two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree and they're still talking down to you like you know nothing i mean that's ridiculous right <laughs> they threatened when, when we had the, the, the debates on science and evolution and environmental science and it was a global cooling and global warming not global change they threatened to try to go to ut austin and take away my degree in biology and all I said was that the experts, again, the experts, I remember this happened two or three times, they said that uh, 
that they said that uh, high school kids, when it came to evolution or climate change, whatever, high school kids are unqualified to ask questions. And I said, have you ever taught in a class before? Could Bunny walk in? I'm Bunny Pounds. I'm the expert. Here's a lecture. There'll be no questions, but I'm the expert. Wow. Happened. But they were saying, and I, and I remember I was on a radio show in San Antonio, a Christian man named Trey Ware, fine guy. And uh, I don't know if you know Trey or not, but uh, you know, on radio, you never want silence, no, what they call quiet time. It's always no, but anyhow, I told them that they didn't want questions to ask. And I said, the day that our kids are not allowed to raise their hands in class and ask honest questions, the day our sons and daughters cannot ask questions, that's the day we're no longer living in a place called United States of America. And I remember saying that because God gave me that and it was quiet on radio. And then, it, and you never want to have dead air on the radio. It just got quiet and people started calling in. But that's, that's how bad it's gotten. And that was maybe eight years ago. And we see it worse now. They do not want questions. And they feel that not just kids, moms and dads, that some of us are unqualified to ask questions that just come from a heart because we care, because we are the moms and we are the dads. Unbelievable. Well, that's why we have a whole generation of people that can't think critically, right? And we're trying to, we're raising robots right now. And we, we have to fight oh. back against that um, with everything in us and, and save this next generation. And I'm constantly encouraging people, Ken, that we, we have a discipleship problem in this country, in the body of Christ, in church, but Amen. really in every realm of life, right? We have to be mentoring people and raising people up and taking them in our car with us and having a meal with them or do this with your kids, your grandkids, your great grandchildren, but also their friends and any young yes. people that you oh, meet, yeah. right? Invite them in part of your life. Um, for political activists out there, you know, have young people over at your table and teach them why you love the Constitution and why it's important and why you've done everything you've done. If we don't raise up that next Amen. generation, we're Amen. in trouble, right? So, okay, I, that was my preaching for the moment. No, that was great. I really keep on because that's we, we, we've got to disciple one another, and, and the, the, sometimes just having kids at your house for dinner or sitting at a lunch table or say, "Hey, I'll buy the hamburger today." you never realize how some kids that kind of reaches them like, wow, you know, they're having a little fellowship, but they're sitting down with an adult and they're able to talk to someone. You'd be surprised how, how uh, little things in, in a Christian faith. So often it's not how, how much Ken Mercer talk. It's the little things. Yes. One dinner, you bought them a Coke, you gave them a ride home, you helped them unload their car. It's the little things that may, that say a lot. The, the song that I learned as a kid, they're no Christian, not by our word, but by our love. It's beautiful. Yeah, some of my, my favorite kids are my kids' friends that they grew up with, right, that I adopted. <laughs> and kind of, you know, they, all, they send me graduation notes. Thank you, second mom. Um, but that means everything, right, because we invested in, in their lives, and, and that's important. Amen. So, Ken, Ken, as we close this out, I just want you to encourage those people out there that are listening to us or watching this that feel a call to do something in the educational realm. Like they are really burdened for this. Um, they know either they have kids or they have grandkids, but they are very concerned about the next generation and education. Um, talk to them for just a minute about how God might be calling them into that and how to respond sure, to that sure. call on their life. Well, first of all, when you find Christian educators and administrators, encourage them because of, uh, sometimes it could be alone. 
I'm, I'm finding some of the first people that I see leaving public education are men and women of faith, and it concerns me a lot because we need them there. And despite what you hear, it's not often because of money. It's because of just respect or decorum in the classroom and, and discipline and things that concern all, all of us. But when you find Christian women and men in education, either classroom teachers or, or administrators, encourage them. And, and just like I tell policemen and firemen, hey, we're praying for you. And it, it's especially now during the holidays. If you happen to see one of your kids' uh, uh, teachers at a, at a at a cracker barrel restaurant somewhere or whatever, just tell them, it's like you would a policeman fireman, hey, thank you. We're praying for you. And they may be shocked. And they may tell you that no one's ever prayed for them before. Mm. They're saying no one's ever prayed for them. And that's a, that's a lot of, <laughs> get everybody, that warms your heart right there. But uh, yeah, let, let them know how important, and, and moms and dads, again, the other side will make a comment. Number one correlation of success in education is parental involvement, where they're right. The number one correlation of success is parental involvement. So even more than that, be, be involved in your, your child's education, your sons and daughters, what's going on. And, and you have the right to ask questions, uh, especially in a, in a place called Texas. Uh, I remember, I'll, I'll leave you with this, the rights of parents and what, what one parent did in a, in a school. And I think, but you know, it was south of, a, of Dallas, an ISD there, but basically a bill was called the Bible Bill. And because of what happened in that school, a mother like a Rosie Mercer brought cookies one day, the last day of school, white frosty to snowman and red and red, red and green Christmas trees. And she was told she could not pass the cookies because that'd be a violation of the First Amendment, freedom of religion. And the parents found out that there were emails going out from the board saying you cannot say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah. I'm telling parents this to tell you how much you're involved and parents got involved and changed this. And, and, and they even discourage kids from saying Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Well, the good news is with a friend of mine, a Christian man, Dwayne Bohack from Spring, Texas, and Jonathan Sines, and Kelly Shackerford, too. We worked with them, Jonathan Sines, Texas Values, and Texas Kelly Shackerford, First Liberty, saying that we passed a law that said your kids have the right to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. The bad news, Bunny, is we had to pass a law. Yeah. Your kids have the right to say Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. So that story alone should tell parents we need you involved. Yes. To be involved in the education of our children. So good. Okay, Ken, we end with one funny question for you. Uh -oh. So, okay, during quarantine, we've all been Netflixing or, you know, Huluing or whatever, binge watching favorite funny shows. Um, what is one of your favorite funny sitcoms that you like to relax with? I thought you were going to ask me if I comb my hair or not. You sent me an email. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, make sure you comb your hair. I did. I, I got both of them this time. Just Since the, we're on video. Yes. What is one of my favorite ones? Gosh, what I've been watching. Uh, uh, you know, my, I found some old MASH because I was in college there studying. MASH is 30, 40 years old, but I was studying in school. There you go. Sitcoms there, and I started watching some of the, the, uh, the Raymond stuff and trying to find things that are – because some of the ones on there now are so inappropriate for an adult, much less. Uh, I used to be 7, 8 o'clock is kind of a sacred family hour on TV. But uh, the old ones that I'm watching now, golly, I, I can't think of anything. Other than uh, I've been watching Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That, that's pretty funny. Patricia uh, Heaton, she Red rocks. Red Skeleton one. Red Skeleton before I was even born. I was doing an essay on the, the pledge. 
and I found a thing he had written. So I rewrote my whole thing about the Pledge of Allegiance. That's a comedy out there. He mm. was not was not comical. That part, his heart was changed back in 1962, whatever. He felt the kids didn't even know what the pledge was. So this comedian, Reg Skeldon, is a comedy show, but all of a sudden he flipped it, became very serious, and he was telling about the pledge, every word, what that word meant. And uh, I'll end with that. The first word was I, and not his words, but mine. In this generation, I is so important because I means personal responsibility. Mm. Mom and dad, not my neighbor down the street, but I pledge allegiance. And, and that's a great message for our kids right now is personal. So, so it's a funny thing. And it caught me off guard, Bunny, because I was looking to laugh. <laughs> serious. The pledge, the pledge that allegiance is not a comedy routine. No, that, it's not. It was Red Skettle, and I saw that one from about 50 years ago. And it caught me off guard because it, it, it literally changed my heart. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, we just honor you, Ken. Thank you so much for staying in the fight for so many years Thank for Texans, money. for families, for parents, and and just want to, as you got, I see your flags back behind you that you're getting honored with right now. I hope you get a lot of uh, accolades right now because you deserve it. And thank you for motivating people to get in the fight. If you're listening to us today and you're like, Bunny, Ken, I want to run for school board. I want to do something. Hey, contact us at Christians Engage. We know almost Amen. everybody around this state. Um, we, our board of directors are the social conservatives of the, of the movement. So Amen. we want to help you um, find your place and figure out what God's called you to do in this hour. And if this is a conversation you want to continue to have, we want to have it with you. So contact us at Christians Engage and we'll get you contacted uh, and get in contact with some amazing people that will help you in that journey. Okay. So thank you so much. Support Christians Engage. Be one of our monthly donors into 2021 and help us fulfill the call of God on our lives. We've got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, we have a Spanish website now. We're doing Spanish oh, wow. churches. Um, I'm publishing a new book on the Psalms that will be out in January. And we're starting a weekly Bible study, everybody. 8.30 on Monday mornings on Zoom and Facebook Live. We're going to go through the book of Psalms. It's going to take us three years. But pass this to every political activist you know and every person in your family and friends and let them know to go through the book of Psalms with us every Monday morning. And we're going to start 2021 Amen. with a bang. Okay? So we love you guys and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Bunny. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is a production of Christians Engaged. We are a nonpartisan nonprofit that exists to awaken, motivate, and educate ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation regularly, vote in every election, and engage our hearts in some form of political activism. To learn more about us, please visit our website at christiansengaged.org. That's christiansengaged.org.